Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. Thank you for joining me as we continue looking into the Word of God. Today we're going to be back in our Summer in the Psalms series, and we're looking at Messiah in Select Writings in this short series in the summertime. We want to look at lesson number three today, and we're going to talk about some prophetic elements of the Psalms that point to and speak of the crucifixion of Jesus. We want to see Messiah's death actually portrayed in the Psalms. As we discussed in the first two lessons, the Psalms of Ascent and the Hallel Psalms were especially pertinent to Jesus' final weekend. Today, let's consider a few more psalms and what they speak about the Messiah in their writings. The Psalms of Ascent and Hallel Psalms prepare us for the meat of the story, so to speak. The main 24-hour period and its resulting weekend experience changed the entire course of the world, and people all over the world have never been the same since. The whole of scripture details this for us explicitly, but in this study, we're considering our next area in the Summer in the Psalms series to consider the crucifixion psalms. Not only do the Psalms of Ascent and Hallel Psalms prepare us, but they move us into the depth of meaning found in the scriptures that we will pursue today, all drawn from Messiah being portrayed so powerfully in certain writings from the Hebrew scriptures. So let's continue by examining the specific words that carry us deeper into the final day of the Lord's last 24-hour period before he gained his ultimate victory and offered the ultimate sacrifice of all sacrifices, the one that was accepted by God and acceptable to God. See the exactness in the details of these psalmists as they prophesy some 1,000 plus years before these events would even happen. We shouldn't be surprised. Let's first go to the book of Isaiah to set the stage. In Isaiah chapter 46, I want to read verses 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God knows the end from the beginning and decrees what will happen with precision. Our joy is to discover exactly how precise his true decree actually was. As we go through these psalms today, we will discover just how exact are the various prophetic words recorded in these psalms about what Jesus would endure, and actually now the proof is that he actually did endure. These are verified by the gospel writers in the New Testament and by the epistles. 
Remember, God has a two-witness principle that he uses and operates. Drawn from Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, and in Deuteronomy chapter 17. He gives us four specific writers in the New Testament that speak of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Plus, we have the apostles and Christians in the early church, including Paul the apostle and Stephen, the faithful servant who became a martyr after preaching the truth about Jesus from the Jewish scriptures to those Jewish leaders. Let's read a few of these psalms and break down their meaning as we behold Yeshua in light of these scriptures. First, I want us to go to Psalm chapter 31, and I'm going to read the whole psalms of each one of these, but I will be stopping and making certain comments and points along the way. Psalm chapter 31, beginning in verse 1. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. I want to stop here for just a moment and make this comment as well. As we read these psalms today, we're specifically going to focus on three psalms. As we read each one of these, I want you to consider these in light of Jesus' final 24-hour period before he died and rose from the dead. During that period, we will see many areas where these were prophetic, and they actually came to pass with exact precision. Consider that as I read these. The, the psalmist obviously wrote these, and they felt these pains. They felt some of these things as well. But their ultimate fulfillment comes in light of Jesus' final 24 hours and what he would endure and did endure on that final day of his crucifixion. Continuing in Psalm 31, beginning again in verse 4. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Verse 5. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Jesus quoted this psalm as the very last utterance that he made when he hung on the cross. The very last words he said after he said, it is finished. He said, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. He was resting his vindication in God's hands. He was appealing to God because he had been the perfect sacrifice acceptable to God on our behalf, and he had paid the debt for our sin. Therefore, he knew that he could entrust his spirit, his time in the grave, his death into God's hands, and that God would vindicate him because God is the God of truth. Continuing verse 6, I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. 
Yes, was the enemy a part of the crucifixion? Oh, yes, he was. I would imagine that Satan probably thought he had finally killed him. He finally had gotten it. But God was not letting him win. God was not shutting Jesus up into the hand of the enemy. Verse 9, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body. Yes, dear ones, his body was wasting away as he hung on that cross, asphyxiating even to draw any breath. Continuing with verse 10, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Now, Jesus didn't have any iniquity of his own. Obviously, the psalmist is speaking here. But Jesus did take our punishment for our sins. And we do know on the cross that his bones wasted away. Verse 11, I am a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and am repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side while they take counsel together against me. They scheme to take away my life. So we've seen that in the Gospels in that last 24-hour period. We see them scheming to take away his life. They betray him. They punish him. They condemn him to be crucified. Those that see him hanging on the cross, they mock him. They flee away from him. They give him no mind. Verse 14, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Jesus knew that his times were in the Lord's hands. What times is that referring to? In the book of Ecclesiastes, another one of the wisdom literatures of the Hebrew scriptures, it says this in chapter 3, to everything there is a season, to everything there is a time. And then it lists several times, and two of those is a time to be born and a time to die. We know from the scriptures that at the fullness of the time, in other words, in the perfect timing when it was the exact timing for Jesus to come, he was born of the virgin. And now he recognizes his time to die for the sin of the world has arrived. So Jesus realizes my times are in your hand. Verse 16, make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake, which God the Father has done in Jesus Christ and in raising him from the dead. Do not let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. God did bring that to pass. We have Judas's suicide. We also find out how Herod and Pilate and others that did this grievous sin against the Lord died. Verse 19. Oh, how great is your goodness, he's praying to the Lord again, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of men. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. 
Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I'm cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. All love the Lord, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Be of good cheer, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. So in this chapter in Psalms, we have seen several elements that definitely were prophetic and fulfilled in Messiah's death, his mocking and trial, and his execution on the cross of Golgotha. Next, I want us to go to Psalm 69, and we'll examine a few other elements in that chapter that point us to Jesus Christ, to his crucifixion and his death. Psalm 69, beginning in verse 1. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully. Though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. O oh God, you know, here the psalmist is recording, O oh God, you know my foolishness and my sins are not hidden from you. Let not those who wait for you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel. Because for your sake I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. Now, he was not a sinner. Obviously, the psalmist is writing that of his own, from his own heart. But there are definitely elements throughout here that point us to Jesus. For instance, he did bear reproach. For the name of God, for it was the Lord's will to bruise him, because he must be the ransom for many. He must pay the price of sin to redeem us from our sins. Shame did cover his face in the sense that people considered him stricken and smitten of God, as Isaiah 53 speaks of. Verse 8, I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien, notice, to my mother's children. Interesting, it didn't say to his father's children. It's speaking of Messiah here. He became a stranger in his own family. His brothers hated him. His family rejected him, all except his mother, and he became an alien to his mother's children. Because zeal for your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Here again, this is quoted by the gospel writers. They understand that this is speaking of Messiah. When he overturned the tables of the money changers, this scripture is quoted. It's, it's because of his zeal for the Lord and for the Lord's house. Because of who he is, he is Elkanah. And he has that zeal of the Lord of hosts that is eating him up when he sees what the Jews have done to his father's house in those occasions during his ministry. Verse 10, when I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. I also made sackcloth my garment. I became a byword to them. Those who sit in the gate speak against me, and I am the song of the drunkards. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, in the acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of your mercy, hear me in the truth of your salvation. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me and out of the deep waters. 
Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut its mouth on me, speaking of when he would be buried in the ground, and he would not be swallowed up in that pit of the burial tomb. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies, and do not hide your face from your servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily, draw near to my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. You know my reproach, my shame, and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before me. Reproach has broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. This was exact, precisely done at the cross of Jesus Christ. And the gospel writers record it for us, how they offered him the gall for his food, the the vinegar, the sour wine, the sour drink for his thirst when he cried from the cross. Let their table become a snare before them and their well-being a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and make their loins shake continually. Pour out your indignation upon them and let your wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their dwelling place be desolate. Let no one live in their tents, for they persecute the ones you have struck and talk of the grief of those you have wounded. Add iniquity to their iniquity and let them not come into your righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Now, much of this is speaking of Judas Iscariot, those who betrayed him and those who would condemn him to death. We know that this is applicable in that way because Peter recognizes that and applies it correctly in Acts chapter 1 concerning Judas's demise and the replacement of Judas with another faithful disciple. Verse 29 of chapter 69 of Psalms. But I am poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bull, which has horns and hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad, and you who seek God, your hearts shall live. For the Lord hears the poor and does not despise his prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and possess it. Also the descendants of his servants shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall dwell in it. So here in Psalm 69, we see more elements that were actually literally fulfilled at Jesus' death and through Jesus' death applicable in that instance. And lastly, we want to look at Psalm 22, which is rightly dubbed the crucifixion psalm. It's interesting that David is writing this psalm 1,000 years before Jesus will fulfill it. David didn't even know what he was writing. The Romans had not ever invented crucifixion as a means of death until about 750 or 800 years or so later after David writes this. And then a thousand years later is when David prophetically speaks of what will happen to the Messiah 
And all of the Gospels tell us this is exactly what did happen to the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Psalm chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Now, I want to stop right there because we recognize that this particular verse, Jesus quoted from the cross. Many have surmised about this cry that he made. Perhaps it does reflect the emotional turmoil and spiritual separation, perhaps, that he was enduring as he hung on the cross where he felt as if he was separated from God. We will see, however, in this very psalm that he was not separated from God. God did not turn his back on him. So why did Jesus make this cry from the cross? Well, we do believe that there could be definitely the emotional feelings of Jesus as a man hanging on the cross that this might express. However, there may be a deeper meaning. In the Jewish understanding of interpretation of their scriptures, one of the ways that can be used to interpret their scriptures in the understanding of it is what's called remez. Remez. And when someone uses that and they refer to the first line of a stanza of a part of the Hebrew scriptures or the first verse of what we call a chapter now through the divisions that we have, it is a tool that the, the Jews have used that under their understanding is that it draws them to that passage. It tries to draw their attention back to that specific passage in the Hebrew scriptures. So Jesus may have more than even been expressing a human feeling or sensation he experienced. He was most likely drawing them back to Psalm 22. The reason for that is because we will read through Psalm 22 how everything almost that is spoken in this passage relates to him on the cross and points exactly to exactly what has happened to him and is happening to him as he hangs there. So he is, in essence, drawing them to this chapter to say, hey, look, read Psalm 22. Remember what Psalm 22 told you. Remember what David prophetically wrote about, and look with your eyes at what's hanging before you right now. Look at me. Look at what I've been through. Look at what has happened to me. Do you not understand that David wrote that psalm in reference to me, prophetically to describe exactly what I would do? And don't you see that it has come to pass in your eyes? So this is very powerful for us to understand this. Continuing in verse 2 of Psalm 22. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear it in the night season and am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. No matter what Jesus may have been experiencing in his feelings in his body, yet he knew and redirected his thought to the fact that God is holy. And he is enthroned in the praises of Israel. 
Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. So they're mocking Jesus. He is telling us here, he became this worm, this reproach of men, despised by the people. They were despised at him as he hung there. Many of them were mocking him. It's interesting, this word for the worm here. It's a special kind of worm, and it's one that will give their life for their babies, give their life away so that others will live. Their family members, those that will be under them, will live. Jesus was giving his life so that those he was dying for could have the opportunity to live and to have eternal life. He was a reproach. He was despised. People did ridicule him. They cried out from the crowd down there. Oh, he said he was God's son. Well, let God deliver him if he's so holy. Why is he hanging there? God's condemned him. If God's for him, let God deliver him. Let him come down off the cross. They were mocking him. Verse 9, but you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my brother's, my mother's breasts. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb, you have been my God. So this is referring to Jesus being born through the Virgin Mary, as was prophesied by Isaiah. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. I believe this is speaking of the spiritual demonic realm that was very much around him at the cross, probably rejoicing because they thought they had him. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. Remember, Peter tells us that Satan, the devil, is like a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. Notice when he was hanging there, you could count all of his bones. He was poured out. He was asphyxiating even to say one word. His heart became melted, and at the very end, when the soldier pierced him, it came out as blood and water. Verse 15, my strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me, the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. So here he's talking about he's so close to death, he's thirsty. His tongue is cleaving to his mouth, etc. They pierced my hands and my feet. They pierced my hands and my feet. David had never seen crucifixion before, and yet he perfectly describes it here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God that they will pierce the Messiah. They will pierce his hands and his feet hanging him and nailing him to that cross. And that is exactly what happened. Verse 17 and onward. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. 
The gospel writers tell us that the soldiers cast lots to get his garments. They were dividing them. They were betting on them. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. This is a declaration of how he will overcome and he will be victorious. He will raise from the dead and he will declare the name of the Lord and the word of the Lord in the midst of the assembly of his brethren. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. Right here in this very chapter that is telling us of what is happening and will happen to Jesus Christ on the cross, the word of the Lord clearly here is that he did not hide his face from Jesus when Jesus was hanging on that cross. God did not turn his back on him. He did not hide his face from him because David prophetically said that would not happen, and it did not happen. Verse 25, My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nation. Now he's way beyond the cross. He's into his rulership as king, as the resurrected Lord. Praise be to God. Verse 29, all the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. There's a place in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 2, speaks about how every knee and every tongue will bow and confess him as Lord. Praise be to him. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. Praise be to God. And therefore the gospel has continued ever since Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, even to today. And there are those of us that have been born and have come to know him, and we continually tell and declare his righteousness to the next generation and on and on until he comes. Praise be to God. It is amazing to me that a thousand years or so before any of these events ever happened to Jesus, yet everyone was precisely described in these select writings from the Psalms of Psalm 31, Psalm 69, and Psalm 22, accurately called the Crucifixion Psalm. I pray that through these you will see Messiah, in these select writings as we spend this summer in the Psalms. Praise be to God. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may you join us again, we pray, 
for future episodes of this short series. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.